Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. This is week two of our interview with Greg Nance. Last week, we talked about his leadership as a CEO, and this week, we are talking about his life as an ultra-marathoner and really just a high-adventure person in general. Joining me once again this week, just like last week, are my friends and fellow leaders, Thomas Tubby, Parker Batista, and Maria Hardiman. How are y'all doing? Good. Doing well. Glad to be back. So, today we're talking with someone who's done an amazing feat. He has run seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Crazy. If you think you misheard that, you did not. Seven days, seven marathons, seven continents. And that's just the most recent of many things that he's done. So, we're actually going to hear a little bit today from him about some of the things he's done and some of his thinking and reasoning behind that and how he fits it into his life as a CEO as well. I wanted to start off today by asking you all this. What is one of the most difficult physical challenges that you have ever done? Recently, I was on a trip um, with my wife, and we went to Branson, Missouri. And Branson has this museum for the Titanic. And at the end of the experience, you, you get the opportunity to put your hand in what, you know, when, once the ship wrecked, what wow. they were in and sustained. It's a, ultra, a maximum of three minutes, and I only made it 45 seconds. So before my hand literally started hurting so bad. Wow. Leo DiCaprio was such a stud. He's a stud, man, to <laughs> sustain that for that long in that degree. Uh-uh. Yeah. Parker, how about you? Yeah, I've got nothing. Everything pales in comparison to seven marathons in a row. <laughs> uh, I've done some endurance challenges in one run marathon without training nearly hard enough, and that was that was all I wanted. How long did you train for it? Uh, not long enough. Yeah. I don't think I ever, <laughs> before I ran the marathon, I don't think I ever ran more than, than uh, maybe half or a little over half. Okay. Maria, how about you? <laughs> I don't have much of a story at all. There was one time where I was in Colorado and we were going to go hiking and I decided to hike with steel toe boots instead Beautiful. of like, <laughs> regular shoes. So that was very challenging, but I made it harder on myself. And I really was, I was fine with kind of quitting in the middle and saying, you know what, let's go back. I had the wrong kind of shoes on and whatnot. But I had a friend who challenged me. He said, is this how your spiritual walk is? Are you just going to stop right in the middle? You have to make it all the way to the top. And I'm like so angry. I'm just thinking, <laughs> no way. But I did it. I was like, you're right. I chose to wear the steel toe boots so <laughs> hmm. learn the lesson the hard way mm-hmm. well i was out in new mexico i was in boy scouts we went out to philmont scout ranch usually groups will take about an 80 mile trek or so and there's one day where we were stopping for lunch and there was a side hike and the side hike you could climb up to the, the top of this mountain on a mountain because you're already on top of mountains right mm-hmm. um so you could climb this peak, and at the top, there was a B-52 bomber. Well, actually, it was at the top, and you had to travel down the other side a little bit more. We didn't know that at the time. But we 
climbed up this mountain, and I don't like to exaggerate, but it it had to be about a 30 to 45 degree gradient. It was so steep. You look up there, and your mind just couldn't quite process how steep it was. And it was one of those things where, you know, uh, from Mississippi, where I'm, I'm already hiking, you know, I'm already <laughs> way up, way up in the clouds, and so breathing's not super easy as it is. And we had to stop every ten or fifteen feet. It was it was so challenging. But we did get to see the B fifty two bomber, which was which was pretty neat. So you got your reward. Got my reward, that's right. We already talked about Greg Nance last week, but in case you missed it, or in case you just wanted to hear his bio again, here it is. Greg Nance is working to expand education access. Greg is the CEO of Dyad.com, which is a mentorship platform that's helped students earn over $27 million in scholarships. He's also the chairman of MoneyThink, which is a nonprofit providing teens in 30 cities with financial capability mentorship to boost college success. His work has been recognized by President Obama, the Harvard Business Review, and the World Economic Forum. Greg has been a Gates Scholar at Cambridge University and a Truman Scholar at the University of Chicago. Greg loves endurance challenges and has solo climbed Mont Blanc. He swam across the Nile River and run 250 kilometers through the Gobi Desert. And we'll be talking about each of these things in the interview today. He recently completed the World Marathon Challenge where he ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents to help at-risk students overcome the financial barriers to college. So with that, here's Greg for the second week in a row. Greg, welcome back, and thank you for joining the podcast for this second part of our conversation. Josh, it is great to be back. Thanks for having me. Last week, we focused on your leadership in your business ventures and nonprofit work. This week, I want to spend some time hearing from you about the motivations behind your passion for seeking challenges and, and searching out adventure. So we started last week's interview briefly talking about the World Marathon Challenge that you just completed. I want to hear a bit more from you about that today. Kind of remind us what the World Marathon Challenge is and why was it a challenge that you wanted to take on? Absolutely. Uh, World Marathon Challenge is a tough one. You're running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Incredible. Yeah, it it was, and it was it was extremely difficult. Beginning in Antarctica, flying up to South Africa, over to Australia, up to Dubai, then Spain, Chile, and then finishing with a seventh in Miami. And I, uh, as soon as I heard about it, I was excited about the challenge uh, for two reasons. Number one, only 104 people had actually ever done this compared to 563 who've been to outer space wow. or 4,500 who've climbed Mount Everest. So because it's so difficult, I was excited about the challenge. I'm a competitor. It sounded like an amazing way to kind of push my personal boundaries, my personal limits. Uh, and then the second uh, reason why I was excited about it is so much of my work as an entrepreneur working with young people is about teaching folks to kind of push beyond their comfort zone, push beyond the limits they think they have. And I thought this challenge was the perfect way to show them how that's possible, how they can do it too, while raising money for moneythink.org, the charity that I work on. So you use this challenge in some way to raise awareness for MoneyThink. What, what did that look like? Were you able to raise money? Was it just inspiring people? What, what was your strategy and purpose behind that aspect of this race? Yeah, so 
it, it begins with the mission. And so, yeah, my mission was to run these seven marathons, seven days, seven continents, and to do it with a, a big purpose behind it, raising uh, money and awareness for, uh, for Money Think. And so I approached sponsors. I uh, received pledges, uh, talked to you know individual donors, trying to get them excited about what we were doing, uh, and then try to raise a lot of kind of excitement and awareness about this. So relayed this with the our executive team at Money Think, and then had a kind of a fun social media strategy to, to sort of share more on the training I was doing, and then each race do a little update for folks. And that way, the students that we have across the USA that are following along, they realize, wow, like, this guy is pushing past his limits. He's hurting out there, finding a way to keep pushing forward. I can do it too. You know, in my own life, I can apply to that college. I, I can fill out that FAFSA. I can get that scholarship. So it's really trying to raise some, some excitement, awareness about this, and then encourage folks to go for it. I'll be honest. I was, uh, I was sick in bed one night while you were running these races and I was following you because it's such an amazing thing to me. And as you know, feeling pretty bad, I got on Instagram at Greg runs far for people who want to go back and see those pictures. You had just finished, I think it was your fourth race and you were looking pretty rough. I think it was getting to you. I just thought to myself, you know, whatever I'm feeling right now is nothing. And I I commented, I was like, Greg, you are an inspiration because it's true. It's, it's amazing to see uh, what someone can do when they're putting their mind to it. And when they're, when they're focused on accomplishing a big goal and, and a lot of people these days, I think that it's easy for them to give up because they don't have a lot of great examples of people who push through, but seven marathons in seven days on seven continents is, is an amazing feat. So congratulations on, on finishing that. Yo, Josh, thank you. And I will say that every single one of us is capable of so much more than we're currently doing, that we're currently accomplishing. Every single one of us can do more. And so much of it is risking failure, is taking on bigger challenges that that scare us, that, that force us to become a better, stronger version of ourselves to get it done. And that, for me, is what World Marathon Challenge was all about. That's why I love ultra marathon running, because you're always risking failure every time you tow that start line. And because of that, you're going to you force yourself to level up, push past your limits. So how did it compare to what you expected? Because you knew it was going to be tough. But there are always things that happen in the field, whether it's in some sort of adventure race or whether it's an organization or just life in general. There are always things that happen that are unexpected. So how, how did the challenge line up with what you expected it to be? Oh, boy. It, uh, so I, I knew it was going to be tough. I've been training for uh, you know, over a year um, for this, getting myself ready, because uh, one of the big challenges I knew I'd face is Antarctica, very, very cold, right? Uh, Cape Town in summer and Perth in summer, very, very hot. And so you've got these big climactic differences. You've got a lot of running, 183 miles of running. You've got hills. You've got humidity. You've just got a lot of obstacles, and, and I knew that going in. But it was a lot harder than I realized. Um, you know, in, in Antarctica. I felt awesome. I'm running with two world record holders. I'm in the chase pack. And you know, I finished seventh place, just a couple minutes outside the top five. Felt awesome about it. At the very end of that race, I felt a little off, though. I felt a little, uh, you know, my stomach was kind of bugging me. And I felt a little nauseous. It's not really how you want to feel uh, finishing the first stage of a seven-stage sure, ultramarathon. Yeah. And we take a flight to Cape Town. And I, I wake up as we're approaching Cape Town. I have a cold sweat. Um, I, I'm, I'm literally sopping wet and, and I realize I've got a fever and that is absolutely not what you want going to stage two of a seven stage ultra marathon. And, um, under the hundred degree heat, the boiling sun of Cape town, boy, I was struggling. I, uh, I was so dehydrated. I 
was cramping up. My quads were convulsing. Nausea was hitting me. And I realized I had a, I had a very, very bad stomach bug where I, I couldn't put anything down the hatch. Uh, you know, Gatorade, water, tea, coffee, anything that I'm usually drinking out there would just it, it would want to come up straight away. And so I uh, I went from, you know, chasing a, a spot in the top five to barely hanging on. Wow. And, you know, I, I ran uh, by far the worst marathon split of my life out there in Cape Town, uh, suffering almost every step of the way. And in those moments, you've got to change y- your your aim and your aspiration and your expectations from, look, I can do this. I can get top five to like, my goodness, am I able to finish this thing? I've got to keep yeah. pushing forward literally one painful, suffering step at a time. And boy, that's tough. That uh, That uh, is a really difficult mental shift to make, but you got to do it in order to keep yourself kind of above water moving forward. So what was it that kept you from quitting? Because I, I know that it's something that you've built up for, but at the same time, you had ample reason to give up. You know, it, it's easy to talk yourself into doing things when, when things get tough. So how, how do you mentally get over that? I remembered why I was out there. I'm on a mission to expand education access. I'm, I'm out there raising money, raising awareness for, for money think. I'm also wearing the Wentworth jersey, my sponsor. And mm-hmm. I want to do right by these guys that have invested so much into making this World Marathon Challenge a reality. And I also want to prove to myself that I can push past any obstacle. And so I've got all this, and I'm a competitor. I, I never want to throw in the towel. Uh, I always want to push past and, and turn obstacles into opportunities. And that was the mentality. And I knew if I broke the goal down into the smallest possible series of steps and milestones, I knew I could make it one more step, one more step, one more step. And so I stopped thinking about the full 183 miles. I stopped thinking about the full seven marathons, seven days, seven continents, and started thinking about the next step and getting myself to the next aid station, the next checkpoint. Uh, and boil it down into those smaller steps and milestones, I was able to make progress and reestablish really faith that I could do this, some self-belief and turn a lot of that negative self-talk, that kind of pity about the situation. You know, I felt sorry for myself and that, that's never a good place to be. You got to flip that from, you know, boo-hoo, you know, woe is me to I got this. I'm going to keep plowing for it. I'm going to make this happen. Absolutely. In addition to the in- incredible challenges that you experienced, some of which you knew were going to happen, then some of which just kind of developed along the trail, what were some things that happened along the way that were really inspiring, rewarding, or encouraging? I can point to uh, kind of three things. One, the incredible encouragement from competitors out there. So Mike Wardian, who's a world record holder, incredible ultramarathon runner, uh, when he saw me cramping up, up after uh, after the Cape Town race, he's showing me some of his stretches that really unlock his quads. That was amazing. I had a, uh, a a fellow Eric Tozer, who's the first ever type one diabetic to accomplish this. He uh, was giving me nutritional supplements. He was giving me his uh, kind of this massa- uh, quad massage tool to. Uh, to help me unlock the quads that were cramping up on me. So incredible encouragement support from from other competitors. Uh, I then had, uh, I did this project with a National Geographic Classroom Explorer where I basically presented on World Marathon Challenge, how I was going to go forward with this and how I was preparing to classrooms around the world, uh, you know, age uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And when folks found out I was struggling out there, I got a flood of really, really – it was like the cutest thing, man. It's like these little kids 
with a drawing and it's like it's a picture it's their drawing of me running keep wow. going greg you can do it and that's awesome you know i i'm not a, a prickly emotional guy i'm seeing that man and i'm like you know trying to fight off the onions on there on the jet you know i'm sure. trying to pretend <laughs> like i'm not you know not feeling it and it's uh, uh that was amazing and then you know i'm i'm live uh blogging all of this on instagram yeah and every day dude like you know i'm seeing your uh your comment like you know this is inspiring. Keep going. I'm seeing, you know, all these friends and family and loved ones encouraging me for it. And that, um, that was big too. So, uh, to boil it down, find your tribe, work with great people. Uh, enthusiasm, encouragement is contagious. So when you're going through a tough time, find people in your life that are going to support you and support others too. When they're going through big stuff, find ways to give back. Cause that always comes back to you in spades. And then Share your journey. Share the ups and downs because uh, you're going to find people are there to support you as you go. So you can take on big challenges, uh, and if you have the right tribe, you're going to go even further. That's awesome. Well, what kind of gear do you take on a world marathon challenge? Obviously, there are some things you found out along the way, like uh, massage tools and things <laughs> like that for your quads. Yeah. But as you're preparing, as you're, as you're on the road, as you're on the trail, what kind of stuff do you bring with you to – ensure success as much as possible my key tool as an ultra marathon runner is actually my footwear my shoes because every single step you've got to have the uh the right footwear and i'm i'm proud to represent brooks brooks running shoes which okay. um i find to just be an awesome compliment whether on pavement or trails up in the mountains through deserts they take me one step at a time toward the finish line it's also critical that you've got the right fuel and i'm uh, i'm proud to partner with cliff bar to fuel my adventures i love cliff bars it's a, it's a great brand great company and a great product it's tasty and nutritious as i go um and then you know you, you want to find stuff that works for you and so i i'm really a big planner i plan the work and then i work the plan i'm always building out you know two or three pages of the notebook right in front of me on my desk here it's got you know list of gear that i'm like testing out trying out i make little notes about how did that go did i like that under armor or did i like this you know alternate uh, brand to like wick away the sweat or like does this cap or that cap work better to keep the sun on my eyes keep my head warm as I go and, and so I, I test a lot of stuff and I experiment a lot and a lot of this comes down to individual choice so sure. invest in you know the right equipment the right gear but also realize that it's the right gear plus the right training that's going to get you there you're a CEO and you have a number of other irons in the fire how did you find time to train for this and really any of the other uh, challenges that you've taken on in the past? I'm actually a believer that my ultra marathon running and training for this makes me a much better CEO, a better leader, uh, a better board member, um, and a better contributor. And, and the reason is simple because so often in life, we're inundated. We get to the office. We're, we're working on our email inbox. We're checking social media. We're always chasing, you know, uh, one too many things without the time to really deeply think through, reflect, plan accordingly. And I've been really fortunate that with ultramarathon running, you're spending a lot of time running. You're, you're putting a lot of time training. That time is perfect for thinking through the biggest challenges on your desk. You know, I, I recently went through, we're doing a bunch of 2019 strategy planning here at diet.com. And these are big questions that we're, we're dealing with. There's no simple solution. It, it's, it's challenging. There are trade-offs. There are a lot of variables. There's a lot to think through as you go. And yet that two or three or four hour training block early in the morning 
is perfect to actually think through this. Hey, if I increase that variable, what happens to these others? What if we prioritize X, Y, or Z? What if I promote this individual or what if this this lady takes on this project? And actually after, at the end of that three or four hour run, well, hey, I've got new clarity and I'm gonna get to the office after showering. I'm gonna write down these ideas in a quick one page memo. I'm gonna send it out, we're gonna meet about it. And then you know, teammates saying, wow, like, that's actually a really good idea. I, I, I never would have thought of that. And it's like, hey, I wouldn't have either unless I'd had four hours to think through it. So, sure, yeah. you know, you got to find out what works for you to do the level of thinking, the critical analysis to, to do the work that you have on your desk, on your plate. But ultimately, I'm a big believer in deep work and getting outside your inbox off the social media feed and really putting together the, uh, the, the level and caliber of thinking to solve those tough problems. And for me, ultra marathon running actually it gives me more energy it increases my health and it actually makes me a clearer thinker so you've done a number of adventure challenges over the years in addition to the world marathon challenge what are some standouts from among your adventure challenges that you've taken on yeah a really really fun one i did uh, recently last october was a uh, 155 mile run across chile's Atacama Desert, which is the driest place on the planet. And it's got incredible, incredible stargazing. It's like five of the biggest telescopes in the world are there because the night sky is so freaking clear. It's like the Milky Way is fully visible. It's amazing. And the best part of that race, um, you know, I I did well. I, I was the top American in the field, which was exciting for me. But even better than that, my dad ran it with me. Hmm. My dad, 65 years young, ran an ultra marathon with me. And it was so special to share that because so much of my love for, for running, it really began sharing the experience with my dad, who was a 10K champ back in the 70s and 80s. Having the opportunity to actually run with him was so cool. And this was organized as a stage race. So every night you'd actually camp out. And my dad and I love looking up at the stars. We'd cook these little uh, campfire dinners and just enjoy each other's company and conversation, hear about how the race is going for both of us. And boy, that was a a lifetime memory. It was a really special one. That sounds like a great experience. It was. (laughs) During some of these other races and challenges that you've done, have you ever experienced difficulties or setbacks kind of in the middle of the action that made you rethink your choice to challenge yourself at such a high level? Yeah. Uh, so in the moment, sometimes yeah, you, you do have, you know, the what am I doing out here? Um, you know, in one experience, I'm running 100 miles through the Filipino uh, jungle when a, uh, a typhoon, a huge rainstorm hits. And I am so cold, so wet so exhausted it's pitch black and i'm hearing what sounds like a leopard's like mating call or something nearby and and i remember thinking you know my god i'm gonna get eaten by a leopard (laughs) and it uh i was absolutely miserable in that moment but i had new motivation to keep going with that leopard uh, out there so (laughs) it's uh uh, moments like that, you feel it um i think the the single biggest standout for for me and my running i'm uh in ninth place in a 155-mile run in the Gobi Desert. We're trying to okay. run across the desert. Ninth place, doing quite well, better than I expected to be. And I'm crossing the ri- a river. We've got to cross, I think, five of them in the, in the course of the race. And halfway across this, uh, this river, my leg slips on a rock and it gets pinched. And all my body weight comes kind of crashing in and all of the force tweaks my knee. Uh, I end up spraining my MCL, which is one of the, uh, the ligaments in your knee, and it's excruciating. It, 
it feels like my knee is on fire. It's been struck by lightning. And in that moment, you have a choice, which is, hey, I'm going to lay down. I'm going to cry. I'm going to, you know, um, feel feel sorry for myself. I'm going to throw in the towel. Or I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to figure out how to get to the next aid station. And I'm going to get some medical treatment so I can keep going. And after one minute of considering the former, I went with the, the latter. I started hobbling and limping uh, my way to the next aid station. There are big hills, sand dunes in the Gobi Desert. I'm literally crawling because I want to make it to the next aid station. And wow. uh, that was my mentality. You know, I, I'm only halfway through this race, so I had to limp, hobble, crawl the next 75 miles. But I, I always remember the mission in front of us and breaking down this big mission into the smallest possible steps you can achieve anything. And I was able to make it, you know, all 155 miles across the Gobi Desert with that mentality that I'm not giving in, I'm not throwing in the towel, I'm going to keep plowing forward, I'm going to make it work. So I think you've addressed this uh, in a roundabout way a couple of different times, but I'm going to see if you can do this succinctly. What would you say is the main drive behind these challenges that you take on? The main drive for me in taking on these challenges I want to push past my limits and reach new levels of human performance. So in addition to these adventure challenges and starting MoneyThink and Dyad.com, what are some other standout experiences that you've had the opportunity to be involved in? On on the adventure side, I love both uh, climbing and open water swimming. And so when I travel, I'll, uh, I'll use any excuse to kind of hit the trails go climb in the area if there's uh, some good hills and mountains nearby. Um, a standout experience was climbing Mont Blanc via the Ganella Glacier on the Italian side of the mountain. And I was actually seeking the fastest known time. I was doing a sprint summit attempt when a uh, massive, massive storm hit the mountain. Mm. And actually, I was stuck in my sleeping bag 14 hours doing wow. uh, sit-ups to keep enough blood going <laughs> to my toes and fingers to uh, to try to keep from freezing to death. And uh, boy, that was a it was a heroin experience. You know, I, I ended up getting frost nipped toes. I couldn't feel uh, my toes for a few weeks with with uh, you know some minor damage there. So wow. uh, definitely a a tough experience. And, you know, the most uh, a really tough climb and one that I was glad to kind of make it off that uh, that peak in one piece. And then I I, I love swimming. My most uh, kind of favorite experience. I swam across. Uh, the Nile River there in Cairo, Egypt. And, you know, I learned about the great pyramids and mummies and I loved Egypt growing up. So it was really a dream come true to get there and then do this uh, adventure challenge. A big group of Egyptians were on the far bank of the river cheering me on as I was finishing this swim. That's neat. It it was amazing. And the fun part about it was uh, I'm finishing the swim. I'm, you know, it's, I'm down to two, three feet deep water. I start um, kind of walking it into shore triumphantly. Hands are in the air. I'm kind of pumping it as like these 20, 30 people are cheering. Yeah. But it, it was hardly triumphant because there's basically two or three feet deep of mud underneath that river. And so my oh, legs wow. are getting sucked in. And I'm, I'm basically lurching and trying to avoid this, like what feels like quicksand. And I'm afraid I'm going to freaking drown in this like two foot deep of water <laughs> yeah. as I'm going. And so you, you look out and this crowd goes from like these loud cheers. Hey, this like crazy guy swimming the river to, oh my gosh, like he's in trouble down here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, I, it was exhausting. It took me, you know, the last 50 meters, hundred meters of this took me a good 10 minutes to, to traverse because it was so treacherous. So it, uh, th- that will always be a fun memory where I went from feeling on top of the world to feeling like kind of a fool out there. <laughs> so. Sure. 
So you have completed the World Marathon Challenge, seven marathons and seven days on seven continents. That seems like a massive goal that is kind of hard to top. Is there any next big goal in the works for you? I'm working on two things right now um, that I'm, I'm really excited about. So the, the next kind of immediate big challenge, I'm going to be running what's called the Bigfoot, and it's a 206-mile foot race around Mount St. Helens okay. in Washington State. Uh, and it's it's going to be a tough one because there's a ton of climbing, a ton of really, really tough terrain, and it's a, it's a long distance, and it's continuous. And so the record time for that's about 55 hours continuous running. And so it's um, – it's going to be at least two plus days and it's going to be a gut check. And it's one of those that you can easily fail because it's, it's uh it's so challenging. It's so tough. So that's one that I'm real jazzed on. I'm excited real, to go real t- quick about that. Are you um, looking to complete it or are you looking to break the record? Is that a possibility? I would, uh, I'm going to train myself. So I'm in the best possible shape as I go. And I'd love to win the race. I'd love to, I'd love to set a new mark. That'd be, that'd be amazing. And then the, uh, uh the second thing I, I'm uh, preparing for, I'd love to do this in spring of 2020. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a mountaineer and I'd actually, I'd love to climb the seven summits, the highest mountain yeah, on each yeah. continent in the record time. So the current record is 117 days. Um, I think I can actually do it faster. And I, I'm working with some great folks to begin planning for that, put together the financing for that, put together the logistics, the operations, and of course the training. In ultra marathon running, I weigh, uh, my, my peak running is probably uh, running weights about 155 pounds, whereas as a mountaineer, I'll want to bulk up to probably 170, 175. And so okay. It, uh, I'll have to remake my body. I'll have to a get, get a lot bars. of training, a lot of cliff bars, a lot of cliff bars to, uh, to get ready there. So I'm, uh, I'm amped on both challenges, still lots of work to go on both to prepare yourself. The, uh, separation is in the preparation. You got to put in the work to make it possible. So up to this point in your life, it seems like you've already had a couple lifetimes worth of experiences that you've shared with us over these last couple of weeks. So what advice would you give to listeners to get themselves in position to take advantage of as many opportunities in life as possible? Yeah, I'd say uh, get started where you are today. Um, So much of where I began was kind of saying yes. You know, a friend asked, hey, do you want to come out to track practice? Yeah, sure, I'll check it out. Hey, do you want to run the the relay with us? Yeah, sure, I'll I'll do it. Hey, do you want to run the 5K? Yeah, I'll try it. Hey, I'm training for a marathon. You interested? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, sure. That's my mentality. I, I, I say yes and until I can't. Um, and with that attitude, you're always able to push your boundary, push your limit a little bit further out. And that to me has been transformative. It's actually helped me get to the next level step by step by step by step as I've gone. And that has been how I've made it happen. I think it's a formula that, that everybody can follow. Just keep saying yes, keep pushing yourself to the next level. And you don't have to run you know, uh, seven marathons, seven days, seven continents. If that's not your interest, no worries. You, sure. you can, of course, uh, whatever it is that actually interests you, that excites you, I say follow your smile and go for it and get started where you are today. Follow your smile to figure out what actually interests you and excites you and then go for it. And life is so much fun when you're living it to the fullest and when you're pushing yourself and becoming a better version of yourself each and every day. So I I already asked the lightning round questions last week, but I have uh, created a modified lightning round that I want to run by you. So you good to go with this? Awesome. Let's do it. All right. So you like Brooks running shoes and cliff bars. What's another brand that you would say you share similar values with? 
Another brand I share similar values with is a group called Wentworth. Uh, Wentworth is all about taking the leap and independence is a journey. And actually, those are two two models that I now live by. I think uh, we can prepare ourselves by taking the leap and realizing that independence is a journey. What's the main excuse you see people making for why they can't do something and why are they probably wrong? I hear all the time, and I, I frequently say this myself, oh, I don't have time. Whereas in reality, it's like, no, no, you're just not prioritizing this. And so at least be honest with ourselves that, no, maybe XYZ is my true priority right now. But if I really want to run that marathon or I really want to start that business or I really want to make this marriage work, I've got to make this the priority. And so um, we always have time. It's a matter of what's our priority. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A good adventure is? A good adventure is challenging, it's exciting, and it's shared. Mm. What tip would you give people to help them overcome limiting mindsets? My tip to help folks overcome limiting mindsets is to get started. Because I think once you get started, you build momentum, and then you realize, hey, this, this is possible, and I'm going to make it happen. And the final question, what is one sight or scene you think that everyone should take the opportunity to see? I think everybody should have the chance to see Mount Rainier and look up at this incredible stratovolcano that's fully glaciated with an amazing forest that gives way to ice and then to go hike it or even climb it. Uh, it's just 60 miles away from Seattle and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Hmm. I'm sold. <laughs> well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us over these last two weeks. I know the insight that you've shared has been inspiring to many of the listeners, and I found it incredibly valuable as well. So are there any final thoughts or action steps that you'd like to share before we finish? My, my encouragement with folks is to build a, a morning routine that encourages and excites them to work on a personal priority and then to get inspiration. And if something I've shared uh, interests you or excites you, I'd love to connect on Instagram where I share behind the scenes of my training, how I'm trying to level up in my own adventure. My handle is Greg Runs Far, and I'd love to connect there. Awesome. Greg, it's been a pleasure. My, absolutely my pleasure, Josh. And I really appreciate the invitation here. Thank you. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at lifeasleadership.com. And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. 
Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.